sacred, beautiful beings. <laughs> Welcome to this space. Welcome to this week's episode of the show. My name is Christy. I am the guide here and I'm so glad you're with me. It is summertime where I am in the Northern Hemisphere. It is cancer season. Um, it is currently storming outside, so if you hear some thunder, welcome the thunder. It's here to do beautiful things. This rain is nourishing our earth. Um, so many places where have been in drought and have not seen rain in a sustainable, life-giving way in so long, and so this is really a day of celebration here in this area. Um, I am recording on the Capricorn full moon, so I am feeling very much at home in this energy. Um, I do have some important Capricornian energy in my essence <laughs> and um, in my earthbound medicine, so... <sighs> Yeah, so welcome to the space. If you're new, so blessed to find you here with me and so blessed that you found me here. Um, this is a wonderful place to be um, because it is truly born of, of just like love and intention to offer something useful for you during your earthly um, sojourn and being being a, creating awareness around your spiritual self, your spiritual nature. Um, and if you have been around for a bit, yay, welcome back. Love you all so very much. It's such an honor and a privilege to use my voice this way. And I definitely recognize the privilege that I have to be doing this. So um, please know that this is a sacred contract that I intend to fulfill and honor always. And so your presence here is part of that fulfillment. So thank you so much. If this work is important to you or you value it or you think it's lovely and so nourishing and helpful or whatever, please pop over to anywhere that you can leave a rating or review for the show. It's so helpful for me to continue to put my medicine out into the world and help others just understand what the experience uh, is or can be like here. So um, please do that for me. And truly the most honoring thing you can do is to share this work with a beloved other if you feel called to. Okay, so how's everybody doing? How's everybody enjoying uh, their new beginnings. We had the rebirth at the solstice. We're in the waters of Cancer. There's a lot of energy moving right now, um, and I think we're watching that happen both in shadow and in light. There's a lot of opportunity for like face-to-face -face meeting and, and seeing people smile and hearing their laughter and kind of just getting into some new energies of being in new places or meeting strangers and things like that. So if that's something that you're up for or have been doing, I hope that you feel like, feel blessed in it. Um, I know that there's also some of us who are kind of in a space of introspection and, and trying to figure things out. Um, coming out of Mercury retrograde and Mercury shadow, uh, there's just a lot of stuff that might be kind of culminating or, or readying itself to culminate. So if that's you right now, I see you and I'm 
wishing you so much uh, clarity and, and joy for this process. Okay, um, yeah, so <laughs> last week I started a, um, I don't know if it's a mini-series, but maybe it will turn into one, but this is going to be the second part of it. I talked last week about uh, myth and beauty in the underworld, and I talked about the fires of hell, and that was one part of this series that I feel called to bring through. So today we're going to talk about part two of that, which is still um, related to the underworld, certainly rooted in myth and beauty, and it is about individuation. So we're going to spend the next uh, time together talking about the myth. I'm going to introduce the myth and the um, god, goddess uh, energies that play important roles in the myth. Then I'm going to talk about the symbols and interwoven in all of this is the beauty. So I hope that that comes through really clearly for you and that this is such a helpful, beautiful way to um, infuse yourself with some higher knowledge and deeper wisdom. And yeah, I hope it comes exactly when it's needed. So whenever you're finding this, many blessings to you. So glad you're here. Okay, so welcome to our chat about um, this myth and beauty and individuation. So, okay, so the myth is taken from the Greek uh, story of Demeter and Persephone and her descent into the underworld. So this is what I'm going to be referencing now. So the myth goes that there is a goddess named Demeter and she is the, she's an earth goddess. She is a goddess of abundance and fertility and um, art, creativity, all of these beautiful sort of like Jupiter type energies. And she has a daughter. And her daughter is Persephone, and she is a maiden. She is young. She is sort of trying things out, but very much attached or enveloped still in her mother's essence and energy and protection. So um, they are in a field one day and there's this flower I think it's the Narcissa flower and I believe Demeter warns her not to go near it but being a maiden and having a bit of a rebellious streak she does go near it she picks the flower and the earth opens up where she picked the flower and Hades emerges in all his like glorious terror and horrifying presence and he swallows her and he kidnaps her basically and he takes her into the underworld and her mother is so distraught. She is, um, she's absolutely beside herself. She's searching for her and finally she finds out that, sh that Persephone's been kidnapped by Hades to be his bride and to live in the underworld with him and she bargains with him and she's like, you got to return my daughter to me. Like, what do you want? And eventually they come to the agreement that she will spend part of the year topside with her mother and part of it she will spend 
in the underworld with Hades as his bride, as the queen of um, that space. So, okay, so um, this is the myth at a very high level. There's really no need to go any deeper because there's so much symbology there already. So when we look at the symbols here, we have, we have, so we have three key energies and essences, right? We have the mother, um, this like sort of, like I was saying, this Jupiter essence that is represented by the goddess Demeter. We have Persephone, the maiden, the innocence, the, the little bit of rebellion, um, the seeker, and that is in, embodied in the essence of Persephone. And then we have the underworld change energy, the destroyer, the uh, severity, um, fiery representation of the underworld, which is represented by the god Hades. And if you remember uh, from last week, I had said that the goddess religion revered the goddess Hell. There's many, 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 but there's the goddess Hell, who was actually queen of the underworld, and she was that mother destroyer archetype in one. But for this week, we're going to stick with Hades because um, there's some important symbology here. Okay, so, all right, so we've got the flower, right? So, well, first of all, let's actually take a look at um, the relationship between Demeter and Persephone, right? Maiden and mother. So we're going to look at this in two different ways. We're going to look at this as being one essence. So we all embody the mother essence. We all create children of our womb in some way, whether then that's an actual physical child or if it is a project that we bring into the world from an idea, right? Um, you can think of an idea as very much on a similar path um, from a, a baby, right? It starts as a tiny seed of thought or imagination. It's fertilized by aspects of our divine feminine and divine masculine nature. And eventually it grows and swells into something that we don't even know exactly what it's going to look like. And then we birth it and it comes out and it is now taking on a life of its own here in the middle world. Okay, so this is what happened with uh, Demeter. She birthed Persephone, her daughter. And when we look at this as a relationship outside of the self, like we, we see it as a relationship between two essences, right? This kind of parent-child, mother-daughter um, relationship, we can see that there is a lot of first family energy here, right? So we have Demeter who's very protective of her daughter. She doesn't want anything to come of her, come ill to come of her. She wants her to stay uh, safe. She wants her to be close to her and she wants to make sure that everything in Persephone's world is like light and butterflies, right? And many of us, not all of us certainly, but many of us have experienced that from our first family. And this kind of love is can be very stifling, right? It can very much inhibit our individuation, right? When, and the other side of that experience could be that, um, just more generally speaking, is that our first families, our families of origin, they don't want us to pursue things that look to them to be dangerous, that look to them to be too adventurous, that 
that um, look like they're too good to be true, that look to be, um, you know, like intoxicating or um, something that's strange that they just don't understand, right? They're like, no, no, stay here, be with us, do what we've always done, uh, get a traditional job, go to university, um, get married and have babies, stay home and take care of your children. Um, you can't be a working mother. I don't know what the narratives are, right? These are just some of the sort of more archaic narratives that some of our families still carry when it comes to us and our own individuation, right? So this thing that we're looking to move toward in our sort of maiden form is, the, is represented by the Narcissa flower. So again, there's a dual aspect to this flower, right? It can be that goal that we're looking to move towards, that soul calling, that beautiful thing that we want more of in our life, the, um, the, the medicine that we're here to offer, that can be represented by the Narcissa flower. The thing that our first family is like, no, stay away from that. We don't know what that is. We don't want you to go over there. Like that's, that's scary. That's like, that's, mm -mm, that's not going to be good for you. We know what's best for you, right? Like we love you and we know what's best for you, right? And while they do love us, nobody can know what's best for us except for ourselves, right? So there's the one aspect of the flower. The other aspect of the flower, Narcissa, is initiatory energy, right? It's the thing that we go after. Um, maybe it's good for us or maybe it's not. However, it serves the purpose of initiation, right? So maybe it's that uh, boyfriend that we wanted or girlfriend or partner that we wanted when we were young, maybe 16 to 18, that uh, maybe wasn't the greatest choice for us and turned out to be like really challenging, right? It was initiatory energy though, wasn't it? We learned something from it, okay? And it's the same thing with going after our soul pursuits. There's going to be an initiation when we finally reach for it, pluck it, claim it as our own. What happens? <laughs> the earth ruptures beneath us. Our life changes as we know it. And up from the depths comes Hades, right? We have this underworld God who's kind of scary. Now, again, if you, if you don't want to see this as a masculine essence, totally fine. I might switch back and forth here. Um, yeah, it, it can, you can also see it as the mother destroyer goddess, hell, um, totally fine, whatever works for you. So we have this emerging essence and in the myth it's Hades and he's like, yes, I've been wanting you for a long time. You're coming with me, babe, you know? So, <laughs> so when we pluck up that initiatory energy, whether or not we know what we're doing or not, it's there. It's right in our face and we can't deny it and it freaks the hell out of us. We're like, oh my God, what is this? What have I done? Right? And it takes us down, right? He kidnaps her. The, the underworld um, takes us under. It takes us to that space of reckoning, of retrieval, of uh, challenge, of reclamation. This whole process happens, right? And so we can see Hades as that initiation confronting us and taking us under, right? And again, there's, there's, there is the ability to do this consciously and there's also the ability to 
do it completely unconsciously, right? Which is kind of where we're at when we're more in our maiden form. Um, And certainly when we're going after our soul pursuits, we are choosing to individuate, right? So that's a little bit of a different scenario, but the same process does apply. Um, So this is the other thing that we can see here with Hades as a symbol or as an energy is our demons rising, right? So whatever it is that's coming up to face us when we have plucked that flower, that initiatory, that chosen the initiation, a demon will arise and say, you have to face me on my terms, in my, on my turf, basically, in order for me to let you pass and come back above ground, right? And that's what happens in the story. He takes her down, but ultimately he does make a bargain that she can be topside for part of the year. So in order for us to get back topside, we have to go down first, right? And this is a process of individuation. Not only have we said to our first families, um, well, there's two things we could have done. We could have said, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm a rebel and I'm going to do this rebellious thing and like be damned with all this other stuff. And I don't care what you say. I don't need your help or protection or whatever, right? This kind of, again, this like sort of maiden or a little bit of a juvenile mentality, but it is important for our individuation. That's how we kind of test our courage. Later on, when we start to pursue our soul path, And our soul calling, our medicine, our path of our medicine, beauty way, um, we're also individuating, right? That Demeter mother first family essence is like trying to call us home and keep us safe and giving us rules and guidelines for how things are done. And we're like, well, yeah, but like there's this thing over here and I absolutely have to go and see it because it's calling me, right? And there's that Narcissa flower for us. And when we do choose that path, we're choosing initiation and individuation and an individuation can come only through initiation, right? Because we need that shake up, that ground opening up beneath us to sort of take us down and get us out of our enmeshment, right? When we think about this as, um, as a process of individuation and, 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 and cutting some of those ties to the first family to really stand in our own space and take up our own space and create our own families, right? In whatever form that looks like and create our art and, and, and um, disperse, not disperse, and disseminate our medicine, right? We have to be individuated in order to do so. We can't be still running back to Demeter and relying on her for our abundance and relying on her for all of our um, sustenance and to like call the shots in our life, we have to take that over ourselves, right? So we go into the underworld and our underworld experience is what I talked about last week. And then when we come up, right, because Hades does honor that bargain with Demeter that Persephone is allowed to come topside, we are a woman at that point, right? We are... um, We're no longer the maiden. We've seen and done things and faced things that have granted us more of our um, liberation and individuation from who we were as a child, who we were when we were still naive, who we were when we were still allowing ourselves to be enmeshed in the first family, 
right? So we're coming up out of that as a woman who has faced demons, who has faced truth, who has faced fire, emotion, toxic, um, toxic patterns, toxic, toxic emotions, all this stuff, right? We've come up and we can then look at the mother and be like, yes, mother, I love you and I honor you. And I am also my own woman now and I have to find my place in the world, right? So this is kind of, this is the process of, of individuation from the first family, right? Going in as a maiden, coming out as a woman. And we can only do that if we're able to shake up or shake loose those ties that have us still kind of enmeshed in that, um, you know, Demeter Persephone, almost like a little bit codependent relationship, right? A lot of times when we're individuating in relationship, we are battling codependency in its many different forms, right? Lots of demons with codependency and that rears and rears and rears and it's got like 18 heads at some point and you cut off one and three more grow. It's the whole thing, right? It's the whole deal. But that's what we're taking care of when we're in the underworld. So when we look at it, um, also when we take like a, a bit of a macro lens and we look at the light half of the year versus the dark half, right? Persephone is allowed to come uh, be topside for half the year and be um, in the underworld for the other half. We also have that in our own um, wheel of the year here on the middle world, right? So we have the dark half of the year, which is after the solstice and to the equinox, right? When the light is waning. Then we have the light half of the year, which is, um, you know, the opposite, right? And so that is also a reference to um, the cyclical nature of life. And to fully honor that does take a certain amount of individuation and exploration and curiosity in order to do so, right? So we have this overarching process of individuation, which sometimes can last a lifetime, right? When we are really deeply enmeshed in, in codependent uh, bonds with our family and trauma bonds and things like this and, and really have some serious wounding with our inner child to work through, um, it, can take a, it can take such a long time. So this is like a longer process, right? That we keep revisiting the powers of the underworld to help us move out of and move through. Then there's always the chance that these will present in situations with other people or with ourselves, right? So like if we're feeling challenged by someone or somebody's threatening our power or they're feeling like they want to control us or get into a codependent dynamic or set up a covert agreement with us, right? We have the option to be like, no, I'm not going to do that, right? Like I'm, I am actively individuating here and I see this as a test and I am going to choose Whatever it is that helps me reach a higher level of my own individuation and liberation and freedom, right? So there are definitely um, smaller scenarios within that overarching process and being able to recognize all of it is so important as we expand our awareness and we um, free up our consciousness, right? Um, And lift it and elevate it into this higher frequency. Um, So... We also have um, a little bit of a different way to interpret this, which is when we are the mother, right? When we are seeing ourselves as the mother energy, 
And Persephone is our creation, right? Or is our physical child, either one. At some point, that creation is going to make its departure from us in various different ways, right? So this can also be a grieving process, right? The death of what was. So when our own children individuate, right? That's a death process. They're no longer dependent on us in the way that they once were, right? Or something that we have created is now run its course and it has to become something different, right? And so um, we have to let that go. We have to allow that to be returned to the underworld, to the soil, to the fires of transformation in order for it to transmute into the thing that it's going to become, right? Whether that's our physical children who now have to journey and learn their own lessons and tap their own wisdom and make their own descents into the underworld without us like (laughs) hanging on and like following them around, right? And don't touch that flower, right? Because now they're doing the same thing. They're individuating and we have to honor their process. And it's the very same thing for our creations here maybe it's a um the way that we put our work into a container and that container no longer fits or serves we have to allow that to go down into the underworld and experience an alchemical process that's going to transmute it into the thing that it now needs to become in order to further serve our individuation and our actualization and our soul's evolution right so we're grieving that, right? When we're, when we're in that Demeter mother space, right? We're both the, um, well, right now we're in the mother space, right? We're grieving that. We're like, oh my gosh, well, okay, like this was once and now it can be no more. And there's a certain level of grief, of conscious grief that we need to process. And that can be a descent into the underworld in itself, especially if we haven't faced grief in a conscious way before, um, we may find that opening the floodgates or opening ourselves to grieving um, our Persephone, whatever that is, um, opens the floodgates on our grief and we may find ourselves grieving deaths, literal and and, um, metaphorical deaths that have happened over our lifetime, right? That they're now just catching up to us and we have to work with in a conscious way and grieve them out. So there's another way to look at that as well. Um, so yeah, and I mean, I I have a sort of a funny example of this. The other day, I I have a son. He's seven. He's going to be eight. And he, when he's around, I feel like he's part of my essence. Like he and I are kind of one person almost. And it's not in a codependent way as in like, I have to, you know, whatever. But it's definitely not codependency. It's very much a, he's very dependent, he's interdependent with me and we respect each other's journeys. And yet he's young enough to where he's still in the maiden, right? Like he still relies on me for care. He still relies on me for comfort. He still looks to me to help him regulate. Um, He's still very much um, relying upon my essence to help him survive, right? He's little still and he's learning how to navigate his world. And I said to him the other day, I asked him, I was like, do you feel like 
do you ever feel like we're one person? Like you don't know where you end and I begin. And he looked at me and he smiled and he was like, yeah, sometimes, you know, and I, when I'm conscious of that, it's powerful. It like brings tears to my eyes because I know that we are still a blend of essences and our containers aren't exactly fully formed yet because he's so very, like I said, he's still in, in my essence to survive. And someday he's going to individuate out of that, you know, and he will become his own solid container with boundaries and with uh, ways that he honors himself and his sacred space. And, and he'll be a fully separate entity from me. And that's beautiful. That's what we, that is what I deeply wish for him. And it will, when that day does come, it will bring grief to me because that that maiden essence, that dependent um, little child will no longer require that that part of me anymore, right? Like my mother energy will have to transmute and it'll be more, I'll take on more of a mentoring role with him. I will not need to be like his his safety net anymore. He'll learn to be his own safety net and he'll have beloved others in his life that will also take on that role and will also help nurture and nourish and love him, you know? I will not be the primary anymore. And so at that point, he will be fully individuated. And so that's a very interesting, real thing. And I'm blessed that I have the awareness around that. Um, yeah, so that's my example of this. Um, but yeah, but and also I can give another example too. My my container for how I have my work in the world right now is also going to collapse and transmute at some point. It's not going to stay what it was. I mm, I feel that it is not the thing quite, you know, and it's going to go through a a, a definite process of transformation and transmutation and the grief has definitely already come and gone and now I'm ready to start that actualization process um yeah so it's just being able to like let that go you know whatever that is and realize that energy never uh, disappears it just transforms or transmutes and so we're never really truly losing anything it's always going to come back or recreate itself in and manifest itself in just a different way um, okay, so I don't want to get too tangential here, but I hope that this all makes sense, right? So the process of individuation is beautiful. It is such a blessing, even if it's so deeply challenging. Um, when we come out of it, right, when we continue to cycle through it, we are really learning of our own power, learning of our own um, abilities, learning why our soul decided to incarnate in a certain family because of the challenge and the lessons and the karma that we're here to heal, right? So we're doing all this great sacred work on ourselves and we're also learning to honor our boundaries and our sacred space and we're also healing and leaving a new legacy of our bloodline. So that's kind of like all wrapped up in this Demeter, Persephone, Hades <laughs> triangle. And um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. It's a really beautiful 
thing to be able to like look at myth and look at story and look at your dreams even and see the symbols there because there's just so much knowledge and wisdom that we can take and integrate from them. And so I'm blessed that I can be a guide on some of this because uh, this is ancient. This is um, this is long-standing, and the more we can take from it and see it as so applicable and so real in our lives today, the more we're truly honoring um, our own ancient selves, our own timelessness, our boundlessness. And that's really uh, the blessing of understanding our spirit selves and matter. So I hope this was helpful. Welcome back. Okay. Um, yeah, I definitely am going to leave it there for this week. Uh, I hope that it was expansive for you to hear it. Um, I hope you got some really cool visuals in there because I definitely did. Um, and like I was saying in the intro, if this work is important to you, please share it. Please uh, drop me some affirmation or praise um, or a review. It's so easy to do and really just is super helpful. Like you have no idea how helpful it is. So yes, I'm sending you all so much love. I hope you guys have a blessed new moon, which is coming up in cancer. And I hope that cancer season and these days of moving into the darker side of the year are really bringing a lot of fruit and richness and, um, more embodiment of your wisdom and your I am qualities. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with you very soon and sending you so much love. Thank you so much for your presence. Aho. Oh.